for the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale, and this episode, as always, is presented by our great friends at Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway and is open for delivery, curbside pickup, and as Phase 3 and 4 of J.B. Pritzker's plan to reopen the state is underway, you can finally get to and get in, Coach's, so make sure to get that done. But now we finally have some good news for you all. Baseball is coming back. And here to break it all down with the agreement finally reached is our AL expert, Robert Fiorante. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, Ant. It's always great to be on, but especially great with some positive news here. Yeah, without a doubt, last time we talked, both the owners and the Players Association were deadlocked in negotiations, couldn't reach an agreement, whether it be the amount of games, the amount of pay, financial disparities between both sides. Eventually, the players said, we're done negotiating tell us when and where that gave Rob Manfred the power to decide the schedule and implement the schedule as he wished and his choice was a 60 game schedule what do you think of the amount of games you know I mean I think all fans would like to see a little bit more maybe toward 81 but hey there's a season and I think everybody will take it everybody's happy I'm okay with it and as that breaks down it's 40 games against your division and 20 games against the corresponding division in the opposite league, so for our Cubs, that's 10 against the Reds, 10 against the Pirates, 10 against the Cardinals, and 10 against the Brewers. And then they play the AL Central for the final 20 games. That's four against your White Sox, four against the Royals, four against the Tigers, four against the Twins, and four against the Cleveland Indians, who you all remember the Cubs beat in the 2016 World Series. And going back down some of the other stipulations that the schedule and implementation that Rob Manfred did. The players will be reporting July 1st to Spring Training 2.0, which will last right around three weeks. Opening day is scheduled for July 23rd and July 24th. And because they couldn't reach an agreement, Manfred was not allowed to implement expanded playoffs, so it's back to the same format. But there are two additional rules We'll start off with the first one, and I'll ask your opinion, Bob. A universal DH for the regular and postseason in 2020. I love the universal DH. I've been uh, an, ad- an advocate for this uh, for years now. Um, I think it's going to be great. I think National League teams, even the old-time fans, are going to enjoy this. They're going to like it. I mean, look at the Cubs, for example. You, you put a Schwarber back there. I don't think there's going to be any complaints um, with that. Put a guy who needs to get off his legs a little bit. Um, obviously, you have your Edwin Encarnacion's who are uh, made for this, but I think the NL is going to love it too. Uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, and obviously, you know, a lot of NL fans or you know, baseball purists, as they're called, don't want the DH. They like the strategy of the game, but I mean, for me, a 60-game season, these pitchers are focusing so much on ramping up just to get in mid-season form. They're not putting any time, any attention towards hitting and they save themselves from potential injury this way. And I think that's the main reason why both the union and the league were able to agree on this for one of the things that they were able to agree on. But Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I would also say it's kind of disappointing sometimes as a fan. You got bases loaded, two outs, and then you got like a Kyle Hendricks coming up or, or a pitcher that doesn't really hit well. I think it'll make it more exciting too, and that's what we're looking for here. Yeah, you miss out on the occasional Bartolo bombs, but I think you know getting Schwarber and a guy like Hap say more at bats—that's never a bad thing. 
Um, but I do think, even though it is only for 2020, I don't think it's going to go away. No, I agree with you completely. Um, I think it's going to be an, a rule that is beloved by fans and players, and I think it's here to stay. I'm with you on that. And the other big change in terms of rules, I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't think you are either, but in extra innings to save some players' energy and health, especially in this short season, extra innings are going to be started with a runner on second base and no outs for every inning in the extra innings, uh, runner on second base. What do you think of that? You know, I, I'm not huge about it. Once I heard it, I'm still not huge on it. Um, the one thing I'll say is they want to get these games in and out. Um, fans, not true fans like us, I mean, we don't mind 17-inning games, but fans have been complaining about 16, 17-inning games. There's no cap. Um, so this is just trying to get players in and out 10, 10 innings, maybe 11, 12 tops, I would say, is, is the goal here. Um, they want players in and out. They want little contact, and they want these games to keep going. So I guess in that way, um, it, it probably will accomplish that. But that's a rule I definitely do not think is here to stay, and it's not for the playoffs. Yeah, right. And there's one other thing. I think, like, I understand the rule, but here's what I would change it to, and I've heard multiple people suggest this too. Let me know what you think about this. Instead of throwing a runner on second base, which really messes with, you know, pitching strategy, hitting strategy, do you bunt, all of those things, what about just setting a cap, say, 12 innings? If you don't, if neither team scores through 12 innings, then it's a tie for this season. I've never been huge on ties um, in the NFL or NHL or um, I wouldn't like to see them, but I definitely in this, in a state like this, you don't want to see 17 in a game. So anything to get the games finished, I would agree with either one, what they have now or what you're saying, I'd be okay with. Um, but I definitely am not big on ties for the long term. And schedule wise, there is one more big detail that's different. You know, the trade deadline somewhere around the middle of the season, always falling on July 31st. This year, August 31st is the trade deadline. They think opening day is scheduled for around July 23rd, 24th. So that's about 30 or so games in. You're about halfway into the season. You should know if you're buying or selling. I think that's a pretty good date to move it to. I do. I agree. I think it's a pretty good date. Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm actually curious to see how the season's going to go. Our team's going to go... 10 and 16 and say oh well we're not gonna you know we're not gonna make the playoffs I'm, I'm curious for that because it is you have to get off to a good start um you really don't have like room like the nationals had last year you don't have that kind of room for injured players for things like that so you might have one big injury and you might say well it's not our year you know so um i do think there are going to be some big trades august 31st i think that was good that mlb put it at that date yeah for me there's one other interesting aspect to that and I've heard multiple people talk about this. I've heard David Kaplan and Gordon Whitmire go into it on the Cubs Talk podcast. You know, maybe some of these owners of smaller market teams who have some bigger contracts to pay that aren't going to be able to to pay them without the fan revenue of a season. You know, maybe you see the Rays or a team like the A's that have a bigger contract to pay have to trade some of these guys and then a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees are able to eat up some of these bigger salaries and then bolst their team up for a potential playoff run. You know, it's we don't know how the owner's books looks. That's one of the things that the players were most angry about during these negotiations, but some of them may really be hurting and they might have to dish off some salary. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, that is a concern. 
And it's it's kind of a concern every year. The Rays just don't have the money the Yankees have. They don't have the money the Dodgers have. And it's going to be the same, shortened season or not. Um, the big man, the big power, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, they're going to stay okay. They're going to be able to pay. And it's just it's the reality of it. You don't like to see it. Um, but either way, the Rays have been making do lately. So hopefully they are, maybe they keep, uh, they'll keep it going. Yeah, and that's a good point. And, you know, you take a look at the Cubs roster, a team that's over the luxury tax right now but trying to get under it. They are still subject to penalty because the luxury tax is looking at the salaries in full, not prorated or anything like that because that'd be too hard to adjust. So maybe the Cubs try to make a move to get rid of uh, maybe a Quintana or somebody to that degree to clear up some money so they don't get penalized after a shortened season. That could also be a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of rosters, the season will begin with 30-man rosters active and will reduce to 26 by the end of the first month of games. Teams will have a 40-man roster as usual, but with no minor league season, they wouldn't have anywhere to bring players up from, so they will declare before the season a 20-man additional roster of taxi squad players in case of a potential injury or virus, so it'll be 60 players on the roster. I think that's a pretty good idea considering, you know, some of these teams are breaking out, you know, the Phillies, the Toronto Blue Jays have a couple of viruses and you never know about injuries. I think you got to have some surplus to draw from. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously those players aren't all going to be the taxi squad and the normal players are going to be separated from each other unless they're needed. You know, um, I think it's what you have to do. And my, I'm curious to see, like, let's say a player on one team gets it do the other players just continue playing or I'm sure that's what's going to happen but um let's yeah even if you have to quarantine half a team you'll have those 20 guys so they're, they're making plans in advance um they're preparing for an outbreak it wouldn't be fun to see like the whole Yankees go down and you're bringing up 20 guys you never heard of but it is what it is and I think the MLB got that right yeah and I think another difficult thing um that you have to think about too is with no minor league season what are these extra players going to be doing to stay in baseball shape if they can't be with the 40-man roster on a regular day basis and they're not playing any games? Right. They're definitely just going to be taking some ground balls, having some workouts, you know, with them, probably the other coaches that aren't going to be there. Um, they'll, they'll be doing their best, but it's definitely not going to be uh, game shape. It's not going to be MLB ready. Um, so it's going to be interesting if, if something like that happens and we got to see those guys. Right, and you know we've talked a lot about the virus. There are some specific protocols already in place to keep the players safe and some regulations in regards to testing. Bob, why don't you tell us what those are? Yeah, so MLB uh, put out a post, and some of the things here are, uh, number one, players and personnel will be tested every other day, so pretty often. Players will receive temperature and symptom checks twice a day, um, which is good. And anything over 100.4, you won't be allowed in the stadium. Players and personnel won't be that are not participating in the game will sit in the stands. We were talking about this before. We don't think that includes the manager. Um, he'll probably still be in the dugout. And the people not participating have to be at least six feet apart. So imagine you got to call in a pitch hitter. you got to call him from the stands. Um Antibody testing will be conducted once a month, so they're going to try to see which players are immune. Um, there, there's also going to be a COVID-19 related injured list that's separate from the normal injured list, and there's no cap on that. So however long it takes you to recover, that's how long you're on that list. And uh, finally, any player who tests positive 
won't be allowed to return until he tests negative twice. And I'm pretty sure you have to, after you test negative once, it's a 24-hour wait. Then you test again. And if you test negative twice after that 24-hour period, you're good to go. So they're really trying here. They're, they're taking precautions. And I think that's a pretty good list. Yeah, I do too. Obviously, it's unknown how, you know, a potential bullpen is going to look. You know, whether those guys have to hop down from the bleachers into right, the bullpen yeah. or however that's going to be. I think they also said base coaches will be allowed, but they have to stay in their base coaching boxes so they are, are six feet away from the players. Um, and then they'll probably just jump back into the stands in between innings. It, it's it's not known exactly how it's going to look, but I, I think it's a pretty good uh, list set in place right now to keep players safe. And obviously the game is going to look a little bit different. We've kind of you know beaten around the bush here, but... The virus is going to change the way the game looks on the field. There are some rules and stipulations regarding what the players can and can't do even between the lines. And what are some of those rules? Uh, yeah, so here's just a few of them. This comes from CBS Boston. Uh, they put out an article about it. There will be no bat boys or bat girls. Um, hitters are going to have to bring their own equipment, pine tar, donuts, rags, things like that, on to and from the on-deck circle, so you can't leave that there. You can't share that kind of stuff this year. Um, pitchers, this is this one. We were this is interesting. Um, pitchers are going to have to bring their own rosin bags. The that's the the bag that sits behind the mound that pitchers always go back there. They toss it around a little bit, get better grip. They have to bring their own. And um, for bullpen sessions, they got to use their own personal baseballs. Um, this one. Um, we see often either you're at the game or you're on TV hitters and runners that are left on base when the inning ends. They have to get their own equipment from the dugout. No one can bring it out to them. Batting coaches, they I don't pre- pretty sure they can't give them their, their elbow guards and stuff anymore. They're gonna have to do all that themselves. Um, another pretty big one uh, this year. There's gonna be no spitting. Um, all spitting is prohibited. Sunflower seeds, shells, um, chewing tobacco, none of that. But you can chew gum. You just you can't spit it, you know. Um, I think that's gonna be tough because a lot of players that's just a routine. You yeah, know, it's habitual. Feel, you, you, right, it is. Um, if you want players that you can't lick your fingers this year on the mound, which a lot of pitchers do. You, I know you have to step off the mound and do it, but almost all pitchers lick their fingers in between pitches. You are actually though allowed to carry a wet rag, as they call it, um, in your pocket, and it'll help you moisten your fingers in between pitches. Um, it's, it's probably not the same as licking your fingers, but that's the best I can do right now. And batting practice balls, which they usually use when a ball hits the dirt, they throw it in the batting practice bag. Those have to get cleaned and sanitized, as they uh, say, and they can't be reused for five days. Um, they, I mean, there's never supposed to be fighting anyways, but they say fighting this year is going to be uh, met with extra discipline. And you're not, you can't, make contact with each other unless it's like a tag play or incidental and to that point high fives fist bumps hugs no matter the situation playoffs whatever um uh, not happening this year no high fives no hugs no real celebrations that at walk-off so i'm interested to see what happens in a walk-off yeah because you're supposed to be six feet apart no matter what and finally you're not supposed to shower at the ballpark so a lot of changes um i think i'm gonna be playing this by ear no one really knows how it's gonna look so we'll see uh, but no showering is the last one. Yeah, I just I just can't imagine seeing a headline, you know, Mike Trout suspended five games for high-fiving. Like, something right. like that would just sound so ridiculous. I don't know what the types of penalties are going to be for those things, but 
at least having those things on paper, I think, are a good step in the right direction to try to keep the players and the staff and the umpires who are going to be out there too as safe as possible. Um, I, I've got a question for you. You know, I, I personally think baseball is going to be played. I think you do too. It's pretty clear that they have everything set in place. But do you think baseball is going to be able to go through the whole season without shutting down due to, you know, a star player gets it or nine players on the same team get it or something like that? Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting thing with the NBA and probably the NHL as well. Maybe even the NFL, we'll see. I don't think you can shut down the season if a LeBron or a Mike Trout gets the virus. I don't. I think you're going to have to grab a guy from the taxi squad, and it's gonna, it's just not going to be the same. But, I mean, I guess it's similar to an injury, a, a pretty long-term injury. Um, I, I don't think they're going to shut down the season unless it's extremely, extremely, unless everything just self-destructs, you know. I, I think if half a team gets it, they're just going to play with guys that don't have it, and they're going to keep going. If it's if it's Joe Smith out there, no names, it, they're just going to have to roll with it. And I think no matter what happens, barring something catastrophic, I think this season happens. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And obviously a lot of this will also play into the next collective bargaining agreement that will happen after next season. Um, you know, Hopefully the, the Players Association and the union can iron out some of their um, you know, discomfort that has been going on for the last few years and iron out an agreement that will eventually work for both sides, whether it be with the luxury tax or contracts or, you know, potential um, virus changes to the game. Because, you know, obviously these are in place for one year, but some of these might end up turning into full-on rules. So we'll see how that works out. Um, before we let you go, Bob, I've got one final question for you. Yes, sir. Will there be an asterisk on a championship this year? I put this. I put the statement out there um, to to some of you guys when the NBA came out with their season. If LeBron wins, if anyone wins any season, MLB, whatever, I'm not putting an asterisk. If it's the White Sox, if it, if it's the Cubs, I don't care who it is. Um, I say this season counts. I say I think the playoffs, the regular season is going to be weird. But once those 60 games are up, I really believe the playoffs are going to be the same intensity that they always are, or at least pretty close to it. So no asterisk for me. How about you? Um, I personally, so here's my thing there. I think the NBA or the NHL, there would be no asterisk because they made it through the majority of the season and the best teams already established themselves as the best team. Um, I think in the MLB, there has to be some type of asterisk because you're playing such a few amount of games only 60 compared to 162 I think there has to be some type of asterisk but you know this gives a chance for like a Tigers if they start off hot they could squeak into the playoffs and everybody knows they're not a playoff team you know yeah you're absolutely right and like we've been talking about I think on the last one you're not gonna have that chance for the Nationals to start you can't start slow yeah so whoever starts hot um you hope you ride it out and I think it's going to come down to a lot of bullpen. If the bullpen arms stay healthy, I think because let's say, I mean, like the Brewers like to do, the Indians like to do when they made their runs, the, the Rays love to do. Um, they're just going to rely on that bullpen because you don't have to do it for 162. Um, you give guys days off, you have an expanded roster, and I really think it's going to come down to like four to five inning starts. And if you want to put, put an asterisk on it, I would be fine with that. But personally, 
I think it's all right. I'm gonna roll with it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, there's, I think there's gonna be a lot of Johnny Allstaff days, as our high school baseball coach liked to call them, in terms right. of, um, you know, a lot of these pitchers won't be stretched out. But you know, you bring up a good point. I'm gonna give you another question. Does a Cy Young or an MVP or a Rookie of the Year have an asterisk this year? It might. Um, I really think it might. I don't know how many, you know, it depends how many innings we're going to get here. Because usually it's like a Cy Young, you're around 200 innings or around a, you're usually below a three in the ERA category there. I'm very curious. It, it might be, what, 80 innings, if that? I mean, you're going to have nine, ten starts tops, probably. Right. So, so in those kind of things, I might put an asterisk there. Um, it's still an honor. It's still you're, you're you might have a guy with like a because guys get off the hot starts nine ten starts all the time. You might have a guy with a below one. Um, yeah, you, he comes out with some hot stuff. You might have the first ever perfect season from a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have been perfect win total. Yeah, there have been guys who have started ten and zero and ended up right. you know ten and fifteen by the end of the year. So we'll see how that all turns out. Um, but bottom line is, baseball is back, and uh, I think that's great news. And it's happening soon, spring training number two in less than a week. Yep, so that'll do it for this edition of the Cubs Corner. Thanks for coming back on the show, Bob. We will have you back on next week to do a a prediction for all the divisions as we get this crazy season underway. Uh, Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we will see you all next time here on the Cubs Corner. Thank you all for tuning in, as always, brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Make sure to find this episode, past episodes, and future episodes on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and the Cubs HQ website. Make sure to subscribe and give us a rating. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.